Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, now, by your Spirit, may you take your word and touch hearts. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. When I have my devotions, there are several verses that I go to in worship. Some of them are like Psalm 8 and 1. O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is thy name in all the earth. Psalm 9, verse 1. I will praise thee, O Lord, with my whole heart. I will show forth all thy marvelous works. Psalm 66. All the earth shall worship thee and shall sing unto thee. They shall sing to thy name. One day the world will see him, King of kings and Lord of lords. But until then, there is a battle. And sometimes we stop and we wonder, Lord, why? Well, the scriptures tell us why. Genesis 2, let us make man in our image, said God. And Satan, who in Isaiah 14 said, I will be like the Most High, decided he was going to seek to destroy that which was made in the image of of God. But God so loved the world. And that is why we are here. Because Christ, the Savior, is born. Because God so loved the world. And Satan couldn't stop it. I am overwhelmed with what we're looking at this morning. As I was studying and finishing up, I couldn't help but think of Psalm 107, verse 8. And this is repeated several times in that psalm. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for His goodness, for His wonderful works to the children of men. You know, it's amazing what you find in the Old Testament. Do you know that there are over 350 prophecies in the Old Testament that deal with Christ alone, his birth, his life, his ministry, his death, and his resurrection? All of that took place, and Satan couldn't stop it. I want you to hear eight Prophecies concerning the birth of Christ and his life and his death and his resurrection. He would be born in Bethlehem, Micah 5.2, but thou Bethlehem Ephrata. Why Bethlehem Ephrata? Ephrata was another name for the, for the town of Bethlehem. You see, there were two Bethlehems, one in Zebulun, but this one specific. For Christ, but thou Bethlehem Ephrata, though thou be little among the 
thousands of the little villages of Judah. Yet out of thee shall he come forth unto me that is to be the ruler, to be ruler in Israel, whose goings forth have been from of old, from everlasting. He would be born of a virgin. Isaiah 7.14 Therefore the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. And Satan couldn't stop it. He would be a descendant of David. Isaiah 9.7 Of the increase of his government and peace there shall be no end upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom to order it and to establish it with judgment and with justice from henceforth even forever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. God declared it. Satan couldn't stop it. And we have a Savior. There's more. He would be betrayed for 30 pieces of silver, Zechariah 11:12. And I said unto them, If ye think good, give me my price, and if not, forbear. So they weighed for my price 30 pieces of silver. He would be mocked, Psalm 22, 7. All they that see me laugh me to scorn. They shoot out the lip. They shake the head, saying, He trusted on the Lord that he would deliver him. Let him deliver him, seeing he delighted in him. The minions of the wicked one mocked. Satan pressed. But God ordained, and Satan couldn't stop it. He would be crucified. John 3.14 And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. He would be pierced. Psalm 22, 16, For for dogs have compassed me. The assembly of the wicked have enclosed me. They pierced my hands and my feet. Satan drove them. God overcame them. And it took place. And we have a Savior. He would die with the wicked, yet be buried with the rich. Isaiah 53, 9, And he made his grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death, because he had done no violence, neither was any deceit in his mouth. Now listen to him. Those are just eight of over 350 prophecies concerning Christ in the Old Testament, written hundreds and, yes, thousands of years before Christ. Josh and Sean McDowell, in their book, Evidence That Demands a Verdict, the 2017 edition, quote, Professor Peter Stoner, who is the chairman of the Department of Mathematics and Astronomy at Pasadena City College. Quote, We find that the chance that any man might have lived down to the present time and fulfilled all eight prophecies is one 
in 10 to the 17th power. That's a 1 with 17 zeros. God ordained it. Satan fought it. He was overcome. And we have a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. After his resurrection, Jesus referred to these prophecies as he walked with two disciples on the road to Emmaus in Luke 24, 27. And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. Man has done what the wicked one wants. He debates the scripture. He will not hear the scripture. The scripture speaks. Christ used it and showed as we have here. Jesus saves. He came by prophecy. He came because God so loved. And he rose again. And whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. You see, we have got to recognize afresh. When Christ came, he changed the world. He changed it. Luke chapter 2, verse 10. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, listen, which shall be to all people. That means us as well. Amen? For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And when Christ came, he changed everything. When his gospel was preached, it made impact. Those of us who have a European descent, praise God for the difference. Germans and Britons quit cannibalism. Praise God for that. In Carthage, infants that were sacrificed were no longer sacrificed. Acts chapter 10 tells us of a man named Cornelius, a Gentile and a centurion for Rome, but he was a worshiper of God. In prayer, he was confronted by an angel, told to reach out to Peter, and he did. In the discourse, Peter made an interesting statement about Christ. In Acts 10.38, catching him in mid-thought, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power, who went about doing good. Again, everything changed when Jesus Christ showed up. God come in the flesh. When soldiers were sent to arrest Christ by the Jewish leadership, they came back with something more. They were asked, why have you not brought him? Their response was this, never man spake like this man. And that's the truth. And by the way, he is still speaking. He's still speaking. 
And oh, how he has done good. How he has done us good. Isaiah 9, 6. For unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. He has brought peace to lives, to families, to nations. But there is something that he brought that mankind didn't want. Micah 5.2 again. But thou Bethlehem Ephrathah, though thou be little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of thee shall he come forth unto me that is to be ruler in Israel. You see, mankind loves to be like Israel of old. Every man did that which was right in his own eyes. Mankind in his natural sinful state does not want a ruler. When God placed man in the garden, he showed himself to be the ruler. Genesis 2, and the Lord God commanded the man, saying, of every tree of the garden thou mayest eat, freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat of it. Satan came along, grabbed hold of that, cast doubt on Satan, and we needed a Savior. Cast doubt on God, I should say. When Christ came, he came not as an earthly conqueror. John 18.36 tells us this, Jesus answered as he spoke to Pilate, My kingdom is not of this world, but the salvation and transformation he brought has done in this world more to conquer sin and raise goodness than any other person that has ever lived. My friend, when we come to this point, we love rejoicing in the birth of a child. But we also come to confront this. The child became a man who was rejected because people still want to be rulers of self. More books have been written about Jesus Christ than any other person in history. Listen, when we sit ourselves down and we take stock of who we look to today, we have got to recognize something. Satan couldn't stop him. God has glorified himself through him. And he has gone about still doing good. Satan wants to derail it. He wants to bring a fog over the mind of man so that mankind doesn't recognize it. But we can stop right here and now. And we can see that when he is accepted as he is, 
when he has seen, he has been seen as he is, and he has been obeyed, the difference that he has made has been incredible. Think about people as individuals. John 3.16, remember, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever, that's singular, that's whoever it is, over here and over here and over here, whoever believes on him. Do you realize that before Christ, there were no hospitals? There was no real charity like we have seen it in time past because of Christ. There was no respect or little respect for life. Hospitals were an innovation of biblical Christianity. That's why the healing symbol of the cross is there. That represents hospitals. The nursing profession was founded by Christians. The International Red Cross founded by Christians. Before Christianity, every culture practiced slavery. Every culture practiced human sacrifice. Even the sophisticated Greek and Roman civilizations. Child sacrifice was common. The Aztec and Inca empires engaged in slavery, in ritual rapes, in human sacrifice. Sati, the burning of widows on the funeral pyres of their husbands, was common practice in Hindu India until a Christian touched foot on shore by the name of William Carey. Slavery was eradicated because of tireless, and I mean tireless, efforts by Christians such as William Wilberforce, John Newton, the writer of Amazing Grace, and David Livingston. Respect for life and respect for liberty is here because of biblical Christianity, because of Christ. Those that scream abortion and euthanasia, the death of the traditional marriage and pornography, they are offering a return to paganism. Nothing more. Nothing more. What about women? Galatians 3.28 There's neither Jew nor Greek. There is either bond nor free. There is neither male nor female, for ye are all one in Christ Jesus. Lauren Cunningham and David Hamilton point out in their book, Why Not Women, that the Greek philosopher Cicero likened women to, quote, slaves, dogs, horses, and donkeys, all to be cast away at the proper time. Even in Muslim societies today, women are second-class citizens. Instead, read what the Bible says with the comes to the family. Ephesians 5, wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. Husbands, Love your wives even as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. Ephesians 6, verse 1. Children, 
Obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor thy father and mother. The application of biblical Christianity has taught the world that wives are not slaves, that husbands will not be tyrants, and children have significance. Again, that comes from this book and no other place. Then there's the church, Matthew 16, 18. And I say unto thee, thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Now, has the church always done the right thing? No. There are people that have not read the word they have sought to manipulate and misuse and abuse people through the church. But more has been done on a positive note by God's people that have gathered themselves in local assemblies than from any other assembly on earth. The church, people, local assemblies transformed the Roman Empire. They rescued, quote-unquote, learning from the destruction of the Middle Ages. They raised Europe out of barbarism, pioneered what we call the Western Culture, that did not come from atheism. That came from God-fearing people. History, folks, would be a whole lot different if mankind had taken this book and cast it aside. Then there's government, Romans 13. Let every, every soul be subject unto the higher powers, for there is no power but of God. The powers that be are ordained of God. For he, listen, is a minister of God to thee for good. When government is good, praise God for what takes place. But if thou do that which is evil, be afraid, for he beareth not the sword in vain. Prior to Christianity, people lived in fear. They lived in fear that the tyrant of the land at any given time would kill them, take their property, take their family, and cast them aside. Then, because of biblical Christianity, the Magna Carta of 1215 came along. British common law, Republican governments, Democrat principles, human rights. These things came along incrementally so that we have what we have today in the United States of America and are casting away because we've walked away from the book. The Bible, and the Bible alone, laid the framework. God used it, God blessed it, as people obeyed it. What about education? Colossians 2.3, in whom, speaking of Christ, are hid all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Listen, the first universities in Paris and London were started by believers. The printing of the Gutenberg Bible was considered by Time magazine to be the greatest thing that took place, the greatest event in the past 500 years because it made truth and knowledge easily available. What was the first book that was printed there? The Bible. 
the first 120 universities in America were started by God's people. Most of the major milestones in education came because of Christ and the work that is done through his followers. Dr. James Kennedy said this, Every school you see, every school you see, public, private, religious, secular, is a visible reminder of the religion of Christ. So is every college and university. You stop and think about this. From the very beginning, Christians were establishing schools. The Greeks and the Romans, before the birth of Christ, did not formally educate girls. Only boys from privileged families received an education. Augustine observed that Christian women were better educated than pagan male philosophers. Most languages of the world were first set to writing by Christian missionaries. The first book in most languages is the Bible. Christian missionaries in the 19th century pioneered literally tens of thousands of schools throughout Africa, Asia, and the Pacific Islands, educating millions. Even in remote areas, Satan has tried to stop it. God overcame, and the Bible has gone around the world. And people have received a a, a language written that they can read, they can understand. Because of this, every branch and level of education, you look at the history, everyone was pioneered by Bible-believing Christians. The concept of graded levels of education was first introduced by a German Lutheran, Johann Sturm, in the 16th century. Another Lutheran, Frederick Frobel, introduced kindergartens. Education for the deaf was pioneered by Christians. Sunday schools were begun by Robert Rakes in 1780. Why? To provide boys and girls from the poorest neighborhoods the gift of literacy. The very name, university, testifies to its origin. The word university means one truth. And there is only one truth. Satan has made sure that those in universities today hate him now. But he lost. And the gospel goes forward. What about business? Colossians 3.23 And whatsoever ye do... Do it heartily as to the Lord and not unto men, knowing that of the Lord ye shall receive the reward of the inheritance, for ye serve 
the Lord Christ. For most of history, there were a few wealthy tyrants, and then there were the uneducated masses that were dirt poor. Then came the biblical concept found here in Colossians, the Protestant work ethic. And because of that, there were masses of people with capitalist philosophy, capitalist principle, were able to work and come out of their poverty. Adam Smith pointed out in his book, Wealth of Nations, the large and growing middle class, and even philanthropy, the giving away of wealth by people like us because of the Protestant work ethic, the Christian work ethic that, by the way, is suffering right now. How about science? John 1, verse 3. All things were made by him, Christ, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. Rodney Stark, in his book, For the Glory of God, points out that modern science was born of biblical Christianity. It was Christian civilization that proposed design means a designer and that man was placed on the earth to discover God's secrets in nature and use those discoveries to benefit people. Dr. Louis Pasteur, a Christian, fueled some of the greatest practical advances in medicine. Pasteur has probably saved more lives than any other individual in history through his inventions, pasteurization, the rabies shot, and more. His belief was that science brings us closer to God. Isaac Newton said this, Gravity explains the motions of the planet, but it cannot explain who set the planets in motion. God governs all things and knows all that is or can be done. Galileo, he saw science and religion as interrelated, stating this, quote, God is known by nature in his works and by doctrine in his revealed word. And that the, quote, Bible teaches men how to go to heaven, not how the heavens go, unquote. George Washington Carver, here's a man that made an impact. He is best known for his work on peanut crops. And for a guy that loves peanut butter, I am forever thanking him. Over 30 products came from peanuts because of his work. Dyes, plastics, milks, cosmetics, medicinal oils, soap, ink, and gasoline. He discovered 118 uses for sweet potatoes. Therefore, I do not eat them. Including 
postage stamp glue, vinegar, flour, and synthetic rubber. Carver testified repeatedly that his Christian faith was the only mechanism by which he could effectively pursue science. He believed God provided everything that people needed, but it was up to humans to discover the secrets and use, uses hidden within each plant, animal, or mineral. And I believe during the millennial reign, we are going to find out things that God put on this earth and we could not find them out because science went this way while God put the answers this way. There's the arts. Ephesians 5, And be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. Francis Schaeffer, and it's a deep book. I've got it, but I praise God for it. In his book, How Should We Then Live? That the coming of Christ greatly influenced the arts. After Christ's death and resurrection brought wholeness to individuals and nations, people began creating beautiful music. This is why more hymns and songs have been written about Jesus than any other person on earth. Then there's faith, Ephesians 3, 17, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith. Think of it. Christians see life's challenges and opportunities through the lens of faith in Christ. As the scripture says, all things are possible to those that believe. Faith a faith that is grounded in God makes the best leaders, soldiers, caregivers, husbands and wives. It's hard to imagine this world without faith in God. And then there's love. Again, going back to Ephesians 3, that ye being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all saints, what is the breadth and length and depth and height and to know the love of Christ which passeth knowledge. You see, before Jesus Christ, human life was cheap, as we've seen. It was cheap in the Greek and Roman world. Infants born with physical defects, such as blindness, were commonly just simply abandoned. Jesus, in his ministry on earth, showed compassion for the blind, healing blind people. When the Roman persecution of the church ended in the 4th century, Christians established asylums for the blind. In the 19th century, a man by the name of Louis Braille, a dedicated Christian who lost his eyesight when he was three years old, developed the world's first alphabet that enabled blind people to read. And then there's hope. Colossians 1.27 To whom God would make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Christ 
changes individuals. He changes nations by giving a hope. We have hope. There is a future. There is life after death. And through Christ, the destiny can be known assuredly. Because of these truths, the follower lives in hope. The follower of Christ. Hope gets us through the day. Even when there are loved ones in the hospital. Even when there are loved ones and ourselves are living in uncertainty, there's hope. Because hope maketh not ashamed. Because the love of Christ is shed abroad in our hearts. Stop and think about this. The Apostle Paul, as it were, looked us all in the eye and said this, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God unto salvation, to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Listen, praise God for the birth of the babe in the manger who became the man who died on the cross and rose again and changed everything and Satan couldn't stop him. He changed the world. He changed your world. That change impacts eternity. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. If there is anyone that's hearing this message that doesn't know Christ, please come to him. He awaits.